Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz. You are listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. We have made it to episode 69. This is a super, super special episode. We have an awesome, awesome guest with us, Steve from Raven Watches. Steve, say hi to the nice people at home. Hey, guys. How's it going? Super, super cool to have you on the show, man. Um, this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Really, really excited to have Steve on here. We've been talking about the brand, talking about projects, talking about the future. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, we do have... an traditions on this show we have to do the audio wrist check uh i'll go first michael go and then steve you'll go um i am wearing appropriately i'm wearing a raven venture i'm wearing a prototype that i have right now on loan for a write-up uh this thing is super cool i'm really really digging it i'm looking forward to talking about it more on the show um i will pass it to mike mike what do you wear uh well first i just want to say like this yeah, Steve is a very special guest. And oh yeah. I think I think when we started the show, and we were like, oh, like, do you think people will eventually come on? I think I think Steve <laughs> was one of the first people. We're like, oh man, it'd be awesome to get that guy on the show. So, um, Steve, thanks for coming on. This is this is pretty exciting. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, for me, I'm wearing a uh, I'm wearing a Raven uh, Trekker. Uh, it's the RT07. So it's a uh, it's the all black model, 40 millimeters, um, crazy loom on this one. And I have it on a, uh, toxic NATO's, uh, gray shiznit. So, That's so this cool. has been a, a favorite, favorite combo. Um, and yeah, this is a good, like all around, you know, dive watch. I love it. That sounds good. Yeah. That Trekker, that DLC, um, that one's a, will always be a special watch to me cause I took it to Korea back in April. And I, and I think at the time I, I was limiting myself to one or two watches. I might have taken two watches with me, which is wow. which is pretty good for me because in the old days when I would travel, I'd take a whole travel roll with five watches just for like 10-day trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I went to Korea for two weeks and only took the, um, the Black Trekker DLC. And I think I took one other watch, but I tried to just wear that one the whole time. How many of these did you make? It was uh, uh, 20? Yeah, I get asked those questions a lot. And, you know, I move, I just move <laughs> forward so quickly to the next stuff. Uh, the thing about DLC is I like them. So I always want to make at least one for me. And what I'll do is I'll end up making either 10 or 20. And yeah, I think with the Trekker, it was 20. But in previous cool. runs, it was like as limited as 10 for like deep techs wow. and stuff like that. Because they are, I don't know if they're harder to sell, but you have to get to the guy who really gets it and they understand that DLC coded watch. And they understand that it's going to scratch, you know, and that it's going to take a beating over time. But, um, you know, they, they, I think they age well. It's almost like patina, like, mm. you know, like a bronze has yeah. a certain way of aging. Well, a DLC has a certain way of aging too. I mean, it doesn't flake off. It just kind of rubs off. I always say kind of like a, like a pistol, like a gun slide, you know, kind of rubs off. It doesn't flake off, but, um, yeah. Anyways, I'm wearing, uh, it's Oh, here come the cops. Oh, good, yeah. good. Dude, pack up and run. <laughs> I've got the Venture, the new, uh, uh, not oh, a nice. prototype, the uh, the final run. I've got the gray dial on right now. 
in the sandblasted finish. And I think what I like about it is it, since it's a matte ceramic bezel, uh, the gray and the blasted and the matte ceramic all kind of play together like this gray stone look. So that's what I've got on right now. And that's what I'll be wearing to uh, St. Louis tomorrow. Oh, that's right. That's super, super cool. I, 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 I'm happy we're talking about the, the 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 venture now because so like you said, it's available on the site currently. Uh, Pre-order went great. There's still some pieces on the site. I think just so. So also, I I also just want to read what Michael said before. I mean, really do appreciate you coming on the show. It means a lot because before. Before Mike and I ever started the podcast, um, we used we used to work together, and this is like two or three years ago when I first got into watches. And he and I asked him like, "Oh man, I want to get a watch, but I'm not really like feeling any of like these other watches. I didn't know anything about micro brands or whatever." He's like, "Dude, you gotta check out this brand called Raven." And I remember I was at my work computer and I looked it up, and I'm like, "Dude, these are so cool!" And like, <laughs> and just to like think about how my perspective was back then to basically now, you know, you're on the show, uh, uh, we talk. I'm wearing a watch on my wrist, doing a write-up. It's just, uh, it is, it is, it is really, really incredible, and it really is such a huge honor to to have you on the show. Having said that, the Raven Venture is such a unique offering, I think, in regards to your entire product line across all the years. In that, I I feel like you, you can kind of give me some insight. It's it's 42 millimeters. It still definitely feels like a Steve watch, a Raven watch, but I I, I get the sense that maybe especially with the bezel, there was kind of maybe a little more leanings to maybe more subtle features or maybe I, I'm, I'm trying not to use the word minimal because I don't like the word minimal, but more kind of just like clean lines and subtle features. Like kind of what are your, like, what are your thoughts on that? Was there like a design um, impetus for the venture? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a, a less is more kind of guy. Um, yeah. I always, you know, design is made up of form and function. And I kind of, I think it goes back to my, I mean, I was an art major in college and I, I had two roommates who were architects and they're still architects today. And so it went back to, I looked at a lot of art and architecture that function kind of ruled over form and then function became the beauty. You know what I mean? Like it's beautiful when it works. It's beautiful when it's easy to use. Um, and so I really, I do get turned off by uh, overcomplicated especially these really, really high-end expensive watches that I, I cannot tell the time, but it's, you know, $100,000. And I'm like, look, I just want to be able to see what time it is. Um, and, you know, and so that's been a, a philosophy of mine that has been around, even with, you know, some of the the more fun designs like the Megalodon and stuff, it was easy to tell the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's really important to me. But uh, having said that too, I mean, there are, you know, pieces like the hands and the dial that resemble, you know, other brands, but Raven has mm -hmm. really walked away from the homage market. I mean, we got started in the homage market, but, um, yeah. with the, and I still get requests all the time, you know, build another vintage, build another vintage. And I'm like, look, there's, a, there's a hundred different companies out there making, making this kind of homage. Um, right. I, you know, I, I mean, I don't just chase money and sales. So I'm like, no, I want to create a brand. And, and I want to create designs that, yeah, they're going to borrow from from the past, but they're watches. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> there's not a whole lot you can do with a watch. And if you do try to go there, it ends up looking a little silly and a little funny. So I think there's a lot of classic uh, things that you can borrow and put together and design things to have a unique design, but not be an homage watch. 
Well, that's something unique that that's super unique that you bring to the micro brand market in regards to you have a design background. You have a methodology to when you're designing something. You don't just say, I want it to have a blue a blue uh, dial and I want it to go with a suit. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Cat catalog watch done. It's more you, I mean, not to sound like odd, there's almost a sense of expression. If you're trying to bring out the functionality in order to bring out the beauty as well, in my opinion, uh, uh, as a designer, that is an expression. That's not something you see with other micro brands. So the desire to make a watch that is accessible, yeah, it might sort of you know borrow other elements, but you're putting your own spin on it. That's that's something to me that's that's super super special, and that's why like every time you know I'm on I'm on our feed or I'm on our Instagram, and uh, I, I see one of the pieces that you you've kind of like worked on. I'm like, yeah, that's got his fingerprints all over it. Mm -hmm. Like I can like you can definitely call it out across the room. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, thanks. So, yeah, my background in college was, I mean, I started in high school uh, in photography and art and even painting and drawing, carried that through nice. college, um, college level photography, painting, sculpture. And ultimately, I settled on graphic design because I wanted to actually get paid and get a job out in the real world. And <laughs> so I did. I got a job right away and I was an art director for a magazine um, and then uh, another magazine. I worked for a publishing company for a couple of years. Uh, and then I moved into the internet because even when I was in college, the internet really wasn't being used yet. I, I tell people right. that I didn't even have an email in college. Uh, that kind of dates <laughs> me a little bit, but but uh, <laughs> I did get into web design in the '90s and into the in nice. the 2000s or whatever you call it. Um, and from there is really how I met Ralph. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I found him online, and he was he was selling the first um, uh, what was the the um, the Barracuda. I'm sorry, I drew a blank, but he had the Barracuda no, online and um, I just contacted him and we started talking and became friends and I helped him with his designs. And then I started helping him with his watch designs and the website and the graphics and everything. And it just kind of took off from there. And that was about, That's so cool. yeah, that was about 10 years ago. So that was, that was like 2008. That's so interesting. So I, this, this actually like, I, 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 I'm always curious about this when we have, uh, brand designers, brand owners on the show. So you were into watches back then. Have you always had a relationship with watches or is it kind of something that just happened through your love of design? So um, I, I'm, I've been trying to build up my YouTube channel and <laughs> I feel a little, I mean, I'm, I'm new at the whole video thing and putting myself in front of the camera, but I'm trying to get better at it. And I, mm -hmm. they're getting really good, by the way. <laughs> I, I like the, I like those videos. I don't know. Thanks. I, Cause oh, I'm yeah. trying to be, I'm trying to be less like a watch review guy. Cause I'm not, I'm just a guy like trying to run a business. And so I'm trying to just vlog and, and kind of just show what's going on here and, and stuff. And I made a video called four watches that are important to me, or these watches are important uh, to me or something. Yep. I remember that. One. Yeah. So I go back and, and those watches go back to like, I think the, the blue diver I show I bought when I was, um, I think I was 14 years old, uh, wow. but I have another, and I bought that on a scuba trip. So I do have a scuba background also, but, um, and, and what I go into on that video is how that watch is really important to me. It was really cheap. It was plastic, but it, it always reminded me of that dive trip. And so I wore that watch like all the time for like the next two years, you know, and, and just that's how it became it always reminded me of the trip. So it was like I did something first right. and then doing something and then buying that watch at the scuba store. It was this whole experience thing. 
Um, but I have it's such, an, it's such an organic experience. Yeah. And I, 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 I still relate to that stuff today. And I try to, it's hard to put your mind on what it is, why we like watches. But for me, there is this whole connection with doing stuff and, and, you know, putting yourself out there and having adventures and then wearing that watch while you do it. Like the watch is actually like a partner with you on these trips and stuff. Yeah. But no, I, there's actually another photo I have. And, uh, when I was in Cub Scouts, and I'm at the Pinewood Derby and I think I'm about 10 years old and I'm lined up with my buddies and I've got a Swatch watch on and nobody else is wearing a watch. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's so, awesome. Yeah, it's always been in me. I don't know. I remember talking my mom into a Seiko um, when I was about, I think she used to go in this jewelry store because the guy who owned the place was friends with my dad and he mm -hmm. sold Seikos. And I would just go in there and look at them and look at them. And I was like, mom, I really want that one. And I remember it was like, I don't know, I want to say it was like 300 bucks or something. And, but she ended up getting for me for like, I think my 16th birthday. Or, nice. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Now my son has it because I've been giving him G-Shocks and watches since he was like five years old. So he's, he wears a watch every, <laughs> he's 10 and he wears a watch every day. But that's so cool. The thing is, the, the I mean, what you just said makes so much sense. Your first interaction, like your early interactions with the watch, were basically you know you using them. That kind of follows the 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 the, the function, the beauty of the function of the piece. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That kind of informs the relationship going on. It, it's 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 not the for the first watch I ever bought. I needed because I was going on job interviews and I didn't want to be bare wristed. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get a watch. So like you know that's like so to, to hear that your experience is basically like you know. When you were in the Cub Scouts, those are early times, and then in that dive shop, that's that's super cool. That makes a lot of sense, just in regards to you know your design perspective, and and, and that's so. And you you pass that Seiko on to your uh, uh, to your kid right now. Do you do you remember do you remember which Seiko it was off the top of your head? Yeah, well, I have a. It's on that YouTube video, and it's a oh it's cool. a steel and gold chronograph alarm chronograph quartz thing, and it used to have a Jubilee bracelet. But I think I even tell a story on the video that. Um, like I broke the bracelet in like a big wrestling match in college, you know, with a bunch of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to the video in the show notes so folks can go and check it out. Go, go and check it out. That's super, super cool. Wow. Yeah. And this is a uh, quite, quite the evolution because I'm on the, uh, I'm on the Raven room on Facebook now, which is like the, uh, that's the Raven, uh, Facebook group that you run. Uh, and you just posted this cool shot of what you're taking to St. Louis. Um, it's a pretty, pretty diverse uh, grouping of old and new Raven models. And I even see some, uh, some Stevrol stuff in there too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that Raven room has been a, a, a good thing. I, I set that up a few months ago. Um, <clears throat> when I realized that Facebook really does me no good, uh, the business page, they just suppress all my posts. Nobody ever sees anything I post on there. And so I found a creative way to try to reach people. And it was, I'm like, everybody's in all these watch groups. Why don't I set my own watch group up where it's just Raven stuff? And then people can actually, right. it can run itself. I don't even need to be there. You know, people can post and comment and, and, and it's been working great. I think there's just past 300 people now in there. Uh, so it'd be nice to get more in there, but it's nice that everybody in there now is active. Um, yeah. 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 I, see, I see posts every day, you know, so that's pretty cool. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I know the the business pages for Facebook and Instagram. I mean, they're basically just so just we can go on a tangent because Michael and I talk about this all the time because it's very relevant to I think every single person 
in this audio room right now. They basically want you to purchase promoted ads. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like, dude, no. Like, I, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like, so the algorithm's always updating. They're always trying to encourage folks to do that. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense. So uh, go and check out that Raven Room on Facebook. We'll throw that in the show notes as well. Um, that's so cool. Though. I mean, this Man. business, this micro watch business, it all started organically. I mean, we started in forums. Yeah. We started even before Facebook uh, was out there. You know, in 2008, I don't believe Facebook was out there. If it was, we weren't using it for business. Um, I wasn't using it at all for personal either. We were using forums um, mm. and just posting there. And and then Facebook hit. I remember like the first time I, I, I thought I needed a blog because if I could put my information in one place, because at the time I was running around all these different forums and saying, here's the information, here's the information, you know, and right. I was getting really tiring. So I'm like, I need just one place to put it. And then people can actually take that information and go back to their specific forums that they go to or their Facebook groups that they go to. So I try to centralize all the information just to save myself, some, you know, some headache. <laughs> so I, I, I brings up an interesting point that I wanted to uh, uh, talk about just the, 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 the evolution of sort of what's happened with, with micro brands. Um, and so we, we talked about this before last time we were at, um, at wind up this past October, which was great. It was great, uh, uh running into you guys and, uh, hanging out and in the back, uh, back of the Raven yeah. booth <laughs> in the back alley <laughs> next to the, uh, the next to the dumpster, show. the real, that was the real, yeah, show, I don't know guys. if people, right. people know why we did that, but I mean, the, I didn't buy a booth this year, so I was being courteous. I, I felt like I didn't want to promote my business inside a room that everybody was paying to promote their business. So we went out back right. by the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it worked. But just so just with the micro brand market. So originally back in back when it first started, you had the it wasn't saturated to the point where you had freedom to just focus on designs, focus on expression. Like what is the most basic essence of this design that I'm trying to kind of bring forth? It's evolved now to the point where, and Steve, we've talked about this just offline. It's, I would classify it as oversaturation. I mean, Mike and I say it all the time. The micro brand market currently at this moment is is oversaturated and there's a myriad of reasons and you could argue that it's good or bad regardless. But what I'm interested in your perspective specifically, um, has that oversaturation sort of urged you to become more business oriented and kind of uh, try to balance it with the design or is it, are you still just trying to stay tried and true to focusing on design and then having the business to unfold the way it will organically or have you always sort of tried to do like a 50 50 approach? Like how has the oversaturation sort of affected mm -hmm. your, I mean, really how you're catering the brand? Yeah. So, um, you're right. It, it is. But I, what I've dealt with is going from frustration to acceptance mm -hmm. to what can I do about it? You know, um, okay. there was a, there was a guy who was just posting on uh, micro watches and asking on uh, that's a Facebook group page. And he was basically asking everybody, should I start a micro? And it's like everybody in there is like, are you crazy? No, 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 no. <laughs> and and uh, but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't want to tell somebody no, or, or they're going to hear no. If they're still going to do it, then they're then they're a strong person, and they're going to not, right. they're not going to take no for an answer. But I think what I've learned is, um, and, and by the way, the venture sales have been great. So I mean, we we this first run was two hundred watches, and we pre sold one hundred and fifty of them. So I've That's got right. about fifty That's left. Killer. So I mean, the the venture's selling well. Um, I think 
and Raven, I don't even think Raven's as well known as some of these other micros that are, that are getting ahead. Um, cause I don't know why. I just think that I'm, I've got a lot, I can gain a lot more attention than I have right now, just with the, with the, uh, avenues, the sales avenues we have. But mm-hmm. like what I would, what I told that guy on, on the, the group or what my contribution to that post was, is it's, it's oversaturated on the forums and Facebook. It, you you mm. need to find more customers somewhere else, you know, and I need to find, I need to find more customers somewhere else because, right. and, and more people are coming to those places, you know, to Facebook and forums and stuff like that. But there, there's a lot of potential out there to build a brand and be successful. And, but I think if you're really going to be successful, you've got to, you've got to capture people that are not just on Facebook and watch forums. I want to find guys that are, that are, haven't really maybe been thinking about watches for a while. And then, you know, they, all of a sudden they, they find, and I, and I've gotten some of those guys in recent time. They tell me that when they email me, they're like, I just found you. I love this brand. And, you know, they tell me all about their history and who they are. So I kind of know where they're coming from. But it's definitely oversaturated. And, and like I said, I was frustrated with this for, I mean, pretty much all of 2017. I felt like, why am I, why mm-hmm. am I still doing this? What, what can I do differently? And so I, I did. I rebuilt my website in Shopify to make things look better and function better. Um, the new site's super yeah, cool. Yeah, I way. want the user to have a better experience. I want them to have confidence in me when they come to the website. And then I did the Raven Room to try to set up better communication. I started the YouTube channel. So I'm, I'm really trying to expose myself too as like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm just a one-man show, but I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. So you can have confidence in in me and my product because I've, I've just been able to do project after project and, and, and fulfill that, you know, actually meet my deadlines and ship my products and and lots of good reviews out there and stuff. Yeah. That's that's super cool because the thing is also you with just with your own personal background with watches and just with how you design watches, you do have the ability to to kind of expand the type of folks who are seeing the pieces who may not necessarily be watch people, but they might be, you know, everyday carry folks. They might be watch door, outdoor like enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They might, maybe they're divers and they're just like, okay, I need some sort of backup to like, in addition to like my regular diving equipment, I need a dive watch, but I don't want to just like buy something from Amazon or whatever. I want a bit more of a, of a personalized catered experience which is which is what you want from the micro brand market well right and Steve, I, mean, I, I think you go ahead mike go go yeah i think you sold uh, some watches in in dive shops as well now you, you tried yeah you've done that a couple times yeah and that's what i was going to say i've got a friend oh, that's so i cool. have a friend here in town that owns a dive shop and uh he's a buddy of mine like he his son is, is friends with my son and so we do a lot of things together and i've taken dive lessons from him but this goes back to that whole experience thing because when you're going on a dive trip uh, and he's in South Africa right now, and he's wearing the Orange Venture in South Africa. So as, oh, as nice. soon as he gets back, I'm gonna. I told him just take some photos, and I'm gonna write up a blog story about about who he is, because he's he's a scuba, he's a dive master. I mean, he's got thousands of dives in his book, but um, he he's also a travel agent basically. So he puts together two international dive trips uh, per year, and they'll go to the Philippines, Fiji. Um, he's been to now he's in South Africa. So they'll find these really great locations and they'll go, but the divers and himself are going to be wearing computers while they're in the water. You know, they're going to use the dive computers because it just makes sense. They're the, they're 
But but who wants to go to dinner that night wearing a dive computer? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, t- I, I originally told him this, you know, talked about this on on his dive boat um, a couple years ago. We were down in the Lake of the Ozarks and I'm wearing like a Raven Deep. I think it was the big Deep 44. And there was like five or six guys on this boat and I'm explaining to them. And all of a sudden they were all like, I need a dive watch because they're all divers, but mm-hmm. they're not wearing their computers around, you know? So. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That, speaking of the, you mean the, the Raven deep tech, right? That's, that's the one Well, we have we, before the deep tech came the deep 44. So the deep 44 was a, uh, like a, a short run of a hundred watches. And then the deep tech was, um, actually a, a, what I originally wanted. So the deep tech was kind of like my full vision coming, coming for that watch. So like the deep, nice. but a lot of people prefer the deep 44 because it has different hands and it, it's really a 44 millimeter. Um, you know, it's an homage style, but it's a really big, heavy homage. <laughs> it's funny that you talked about the DLC stuff as well, because, um, and how you, how you only made a few i think that it's funny there's a listing right now and i think i asked you when we were in new york i'm like have you ever like poked around like ebay and stuff and like used forums to see like what your what your old stuff is like going for and there's uh there's one of the all black dlc uh raven deep techs here only five made uh wow and it's <laughs> it's 1500 bucks 1500 bucks isn't it 1750. 1750. Well, you know what? It, it is what somebody will pay for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I and yeah. that listing's been on there a long time, so I don't think anybody's paid the 1700 for it, but yeah, it's <laughs> it is rare. It's a it's a big it's a it's a big watch. I, I it's uh and I like the I like the all black look on this one. It's uh it's pretty damn cool. And also speaking, I still have this picture up of the watches that you're taking to the uh to St. Louis. Um, I see some, some older ones here, some newer ones, which, what do you think was the first model that kind of, uh, pivoted Raven, uh, to maybe move from less of an homage brand to more of, uh, an original kind of design company? Um, it was first the defender, which is that, um, kind of, and the defender is really this, this, mixing of pilot style with diver style with field watch all in one. Yeah. It's smaller, lighter weight. Um, the pilot style, because it has that real circular case and it has all the numbers around, like you'd see with an IWC or a old German pilot watch. Um, yeah. But then it has that rotatable bezel on the inside. And then when the bezel mm-hmm. is fixed, um, in place, it doesn't really look like a bezel. It just looks like a mint, you know, like the minutes on the clock, like you'd see on an old German pilot watch. And then it has cool. the waterproof, you know, I believe those are 300 meter water resistant. Um, so that watch really like just broke away from the homage. And then the Trekker came next and the, and the Trekker was really based on the vintage homage case but it used a new dial, a new bezel, a new hands, um, and a new bracelet too. Yeah, I think the Trekker, the Trekker is cool because it has, at its core, I think it could be very easy for that watch to become something of an homage, but it has enough of these unique elements, these little 
um, you know, details on the dial, the way that you did the numerals, the hands, the paddle seconds hand and stuff like that. And same, same with the bezel. I, I think it moves, it moves far away enough that it isn't, it doesn't really remind me of anything, mm-hmm. you know, except maybe for like the, the big crown element that a lot of people will associate with. You know, yeah. I mean, it, and watches, it always depends know? on who's looking at it because yeah, I mean, I had somebody once look at a Megalodon and say it looked like a Rolex. What? Yeah, I know. Okay. I said, well, it's, you know, it's metal <laughs> and it's, it's a watch and it has a black bezel. You know, so, And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I'm not kidding there. He, he literally said it looks like a Rolex. So, you know, you never know who you're dealing with. I, I've heard that the Trekker is a Pe- Pelagos copy watch and I'm like, it's different size, different hands, different dial. Yeah, I don't see that not at, at all. all. It's not, a, not even all, but, but it does. And I'll tell you what, what they're noticing. They're noticing that it has a matte finish and there's not a lot of watches out there that do this. And I like the Pelagos. So, and you can see this with the Venture too. I've made that watch very matte, matte black, matte, hmm. matte finish, matte ceramic bezel, so you get that, and then the really bright white marks on the dial, that really has a, mm-hmm. a, a feel like a Pelagos because only because of the contrast and the matte finish. Um, nice. So if you look at nothing else, you know, then you're, you're like, oh, that's, that's a Pelagos. You know? Well, I, I was going to say, I think, I think it kind of speaks to, speaks to why other folks who get into microbrands, other like owners I mean into microbrands, why they sort of go the, hom- the homage route because – a lot of the times you're the most the majority of folks will rationalize new things they see by things they've already seen so if they don't really have an understanding of like the microbrand market or if their understanding of watches is really just a like like your upper like well-known like world-renowned brands and things like that then that's how they're always going to see the world if they've if they've only ever seen you know rolexes and pelagos and that kind of stuff any type of blue or black watch they see they're going to reference you know, to that, mm-hmm. which I think also speaks really, really well to what you're doing. You're you're not trying to cater to people's sort of preconceived tastes. You're trying to just really do something that's your own and in a way that's authentic to you, but in a way that's also really accessible for people who just really click with the designs, click with the function that the watches are trying to fulfill. I think it's I think it's super cool. Um I, I actually, uh, 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 actually, Mike, did you have any more questions? Because actually, I, 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 something just occurred to me. I wanted to ask Steve. I, I've super. I, I think I might have interrupted you. My bad. No, 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 no. It's it's just <laughs> funny because I, I, I like that he brought up the Pelagos as well because I think I mm. get in trouble in trouble sometimes for saying that the bezel on the Trekker beats the bezel on the Pelagos. <laughs> you have said that. You have said that. <laughs> um, I just, I just think it's really, it's, it's a really nice action. Uh, some people get really picky about bezels and yeah. the way they click and what's the play like. Um, and man, I, I don't know. I've, I even have a couple Oruses here, and I, I just, I enjoy the action on the Trekker way more. And um, there's something with the finishing on that bezel too. I, I don't know if it's the way that you got the matte finishing or the way the the markings are like printed on there, but it's, Mm. it's really crisp just the way and it feels and and the way that it looks. Yeah. I experiment a lot with bezel materials. We've done everything from alloy, um, which is what that Trekker is, is a, is a, is an alloy that's been engraved and then sandblasted and then coated and then filled with, with loom. And actually you get a better, deeper black with doing it that way. Then I got with the Venture doing the full ceramic and then matte finish 
ceramic, the, 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 the real ceramic is not as dark as that, the way we did it on the Trekker. And then we, we've yeah. done other things like sapphire inserts and people like the sapphire insert. But the thing is, I don't particularly like the sapphire insert. And the thing, the thing mm-hmm. is, I designed most of these watches for me. I mean, and, and when I first got into the Sapphire, I, I kind of liked it. And, and I actually like it on the Deep Tech, but, but it's a bit too shiny and too much glass for me. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to do more like traditional alloy stuff because I like the way it looks. But in the end, it's like the customer, you know, is, is always wanting the best materials and, and the ceramic and stuff like that. And I'm going to try some glossy ceramic, which I've never, well, we did do it once on the, on a Remora years ago, but um, I think the technology is better now. The ceramic companies are better now than when we did the Remora. Mm. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is I value like all the materials. Like I like an alloy insert and some people will say, oh, that's cheap. I'm like, well, I like the way it looks. You know, I mean, wh- who, what's, what's bringing the most money right now as far as like the vintage Rolex market? It's the alloy insert stuff. And a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the, the purists are like, oh, that ceramic's too too shiny and I like the old ones better and you know so so I don't know I'll, I'll I'm saying that I guess because I'll probably go back to some alloy inserts in the future just because I like them <laughs> yeah and, and finally on this on this trekker kind of like and then I'll let you go Kaz but the the one thing that that really caught me off guard with this watch and I guess I can compare with the uh with the venture Kaz you probably know is that the loom like the way it's loomed with the bezel and inside of the dial and all the markers and stuff like in low light, it just looks like, um, like, you know, the Sarlacc pit monster from, from return of the (laughs) Jedi. It looks, it looks like all of the teeth on that thing are loomed and it's just like about to eat my face. It's just like, it's a crazy, it's just a crazy display of, of, uh, luminescence, I, I guess. So dude, that be- was... best death ever, dude. So it's like, it's like <laughs> fingers reaching out from the, from the dial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks, it looks super cool, but yeah, sorry, Kaz, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I completely forgot what I was going to say, but that's okay. Um, I, I did want to, it happens, man. Um, I wanted to talk about just sort of right now, like current, currently venture, uh, currently with the venture, other products. Can you, I mean, I don't know. Uh, how do you view the differences from the venture to previous sort of designs? Like, like what was the process like? Did you have so? Because the thing is, when I when I design things, I have a general idea, but I find that my idea sort of evolves and changes as I go through the design process, and I let it design and change. But I know some people they'll stick to the design and they'll kind of really make that their foothold. Not saying one way is better than the other. So I'm curious in regards to the venture, like what was the design process like? Did it like was it a vision you kept the whole time or did it kind of evolve as you were working through, you know, your own design constraints oh. and then working through manufacturing yeah. processes? It totally evolved because originally nice. what I wanted to do or or actually what it started as is a trekker, a 42 mil trekker. So, okay. I, you know, this is the, this, I don't want to go down this millimeter road because, you know, I can rant about that too, but like you'll build up, you'll build a 40 <laughs> millimeter and people say, I love the watch, but why 40? You know, okay, well, here, here's the same watch in 42. I love the watch, but why 42? So you can't please everybody. <laughs> um, you can't, man. So I, the Trekker, I think, is a great size. And the other funny thing is you look at that picture that Mike has up of all the watches in a box together, 
and they all relatively look the same size and you're dealing with 40s to 47 millimeters i mean in mm. my opinion it's like if you like the watch you know wear the watch if, if it doesn't fit you yeah. right you know it's one or two millimeters is not going to make a difference in my opinion just because i wear i wear everything from 38 to 47 and i've even had like a 52 but that was a little too much so i get rid of it but the nice. venture did evolve. It did start out as, okay, I want to build the Trekker and I want to make it 42. Well, the Trekker right. doesn't really work at 42. If I open up the dial too much, then the little, the little Trekker hands didn't work right. Um, mm. And if I narrow the bezel, cause I did want to open up the dial more and I wanted to narrow the bezel down. And so the, the same things that work on the Trekker don't really work when you start changing the dial, the dial size, the hand size, the bezel size. Um, and I, I also wanted to, um, I wanted the bracelet. The bracelet turned out pretty good. I, I'm going to, on the Endeavor, the next one, I'm going to try to get more of a, um, a rounded shape uh, to the to the bracelet. So that'll that'll show up in the 3D drawings. But yeah, so with the with the Venture, I had to start changing um, the the font. The numbers on the dial needed to change uh, to fit the size better, and then the hands. And with hands, it's like. I don't like the watch hands to be fussy. I, I do like mm. classic hands, but I also don't want to use like the hands that everybody else is using right now. I mean, a good set of MOD right. hands is really functional and it looks great, but everybody, a lot of people use them. So, you know, we went back to the, to like the vintage Ranger hands and I ended up taking some of that and redrawing them to fit um, and using that kind of spearhead hour hand because it's still very simple. But it also does the does the point, and and I don't know if the listeners probably all know this, but like the point of the hour hand, the reason that they started getting like Mercedes shapes or MOD shapes was because when it's behind the minute hand, you can still see where it is. You know, also it's quickly it's ah. quick to to identify which one's the hour hand, which one's the minute hand. But when you had those old hands that were like two sticks, I mean, like kind of like the tracker. <laughs> If, if, if they're too close in size, it's hard to see which one the minute and which one's the hour. And then when one's under the other, you can't see the hour hand. So, yeah, you put the ball on there and boom, you can see it. And then you can quickly tell the difference between the hands. But at, nice. at the same time, I don't like I don't like when when somebody tries to be different just to be different. It goes back to that right. whole like our eyes are used to classic shapes. And when you try to you know do something new, it kind of looks funny. But um, anyway, I like the way, yeah, very clean. And then with the white, like, you know, the Trekker, actually the Defender, the Trekker, and the Venture all have all white hands uh, as far as, like, the hour and the minute hand. Um, right. And, you know, I, I like that. It's like uh, something from an airplane gauge. You know, it's easy to read. Um, but that said, I think the Endeavor is going to have polished hands because it's going to be a little bit more refined with the polishings and stuff and the raised, raised right. indices and stuff. And you're, you're very... experimenting with some, some colors too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm really, I'm really happy you brought up the Endeavor. I would like to kind of talk about that more um, just in regards to like the, the show. So yeah, I mean, like Michael said, you're, I guess the people who are looking, there are different kind of, you're experimenting with colors. Yeah. Yeah. So I think originally the idea for the brown bezel and the, and the blue dial, I think that it originally popped up on the Raven Room. So I, I had posted um, some very 
Steve-like drawings, which are black and black and maybe a red, you know, very, very conservative. And somebody said, well, what about a, like a, a light blue dial with a brown bezel? And I think they were referencing like the Rolex Daytona, you know, that had the light blue dial mm-hmm. and the brown ceramic bezel. And I thought, you know what, that's mm-hmm. not a bad idea because, yeah, I mean, every, you've seen that with the Daytona. So again, going back to like, what have people seen? What are they familiar with? But have you seen that color scheme on a big 45 millimeter dive watch? You know, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) But but therefore, I mean, the colors have been been put out there, you know, by the Daytona. So then from that, we said, okay, that if that's going to be the most um, boldest example, what else can we do with this brown bezel that's maybe a little more conservative, like having this tan dial and then having the brown brown and brown combination yeah Hmm. um yeah and then is that going to be is that going to be a ceramic uh bezel by the way is this are you going to experiment with that for these yeah yeah so it's going to be a gloss a gloss brown ceramic and then the other one will be a gloss black ceramic and the black will have also and when i when i put the that actually that teal dial back in with the black bezel it looked really sharp too i was like wow that even looks awesome just that light blue and then that that glossy black kind of like a 1950s car you know <laughs> yeah this this does look pretty cool i i can't wait to see these yeah so we'll were you designing i'm sorry I was just to say we'll go back and forth with the factory on that I'll, I'll end up getting some dial samples and then um and then if i have to make changes i'll make changes because that's what i did with the venture the orange i thought mm. the orange was too pastel and I literally changed it just one shade darker and it made a big difference. It made it something that I'll wear versus something that I wouldn't wear. That's so cool. Sometimes it's this, those, those finer details that, that, that can actually you know make a difference. And it's super cool also that the manufacturer you're working with like supports that. Like I've talked to some people and they were like, they gave me, they gave me a catalog. I pointed <laughs> at, and that was it. Like they don't, they, there's well, like this, I guess it also just depends on the relationship you built. Yes. With the yes. Right? And I, I, I visit my manufacturers. I hang out with them. We go to dinner. We stay out late. That's so cool. I even, uh, <laughs> this funny story is one of our manufacturers, he wanted a mattress, um, from America and and in Kansas City here, okay. they make the Sealy mattresses. And he he had this model already picked out, and and I'm not exaggerating. It was like a four thousand dollar mattress, and he asked me to buy it for him, and <laughs> and ship it over to him. And that's a long story, but in the end, I bought it. And for a while there, I thought I was going to have to own it because I couldn't find a shipping company. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, but I ended up finding a logistics company, and yeah, it was. They, they drove down from Chicago and picked this thing up, drove it to the airport, flew it over to Hong Kong, put it in a van, drove it out to his house, and then uh, delivered it. And uh, yeah, and he, <laughs> he paid me back. So that's the kind of relationship I have with the manufacturers is, you know. <laughs> you, you heard it here, folks. He's buying the mattresses. That's heavy, man. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just... You just, you get personal. You, you just get to know each other. You get friendly. And yeah, it was something he wanted. And so we we made it work. It's one of those things where I feel like it's just good general, not necessarily business practice, but just good general trades and craft practices to know the people who are supplying your products, materials, who are manufacturing. Like that's just that's just part 
that's just logical to me and and yeah. to know that that relationship is taken to like such a great place it's just you, know, you can tell on the watches you know what i mean um i'm curious though were you designing the endeavor the same time as the venture because the venture obviously is out now like steve said it's on the website go check it out um the endeavor is still being kind of you know tinkered and proto and things like that were they designed at the same time or do you kind of like cadence mm -hmm. releases to be okay as soon as this is done now I'm going to start this design. Like, do you kind of break it apart like that? Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think I can design two watches at the same time. I have to sit down and really focus on a design. And, and a project nice. may take me a couple weeks. I, actually, it takes me longer than that. I mean, things have to really bubble up in my head before I sit down on the computer. Um, and I'll, I'll sit and draw all the elements of the dial, um, you know, every little piece. And I've got little grids that I've made to kind of, uh, create these templates and then from the templates right. I can create the shapes and then from the shapes so then I can take those in and, and uh, make them more detailed so I use a couple different programs um, but I, I cannot I don't think I can do two at the same time because what I really do is I get I get inspiration from certain things whether it's something I've watched or something I've read I've and anyways, um, then I start thinking, wow, you know, I, I would love to go on an expedition like that. And if I went on an expedition like that, what kind of watch would I want to wear? And then I kind of mm. start designing from that point of view, like, like kind of daydreaming out about what would I do with a piece like this, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, once it's done, it's all wrapped up. Um, then I'll start another one, but I really ha have to go back and forth with the factory um, and if I jump onto the next thing, I'm going to miss a detail. Mm. So, right. So I'm, I'm pretty slow about that. Um, you know, and I'm not big business here. So it's like, you know, just, I, but I need, at the same time, I do need to do more projects. Uh, so I, I, I need to get just, if I want to survive in this business, I need to have at least three to four projects a year. Um, so with that said, I, you know, I do have ideas. And I already have like a case drawing done for the next um, watch after the Endeavor, which is going to come back cool. to hit that 40 millimeter crowd. And it's not just them. I like 40 millimeters also. So there's there's a but it's like if I'm going to go on that big expedition, I want the Endeavor, you know, but then if I want to go and do this and <laughs> look a little more sensible then I'm, I want the 40 millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying, what you're saying is you're going to make a 40 millimeter Trekker GMT right oh yeah i would love i would love to i i wish more movement companies would come out with a better gmt um mm. it's hard yeah it's tough it's tough i don't really like the way that the um that the 28 what is it 2893 yeah that's i don't it. particularly like the way that functions with the gmt hand that clicks through and we've we made a watch with that movement once and i ended up with a couple of uh repairs coming back where people would get their hands out of line and certain things happen mm. um so I don't really like the movement a whole lot. Um, but that said, I like GMTs. I wish uh, somebody would come out with something that functioned a little smoother. Um, right. Yeah. Have you ever done any quartz watches, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I, I've thought, and I've thought about doing another one. I've thought about trying to create like a, a, a Raven Field watch that was very simple and quartz and, you know, just very basic and affordable and, and you know, using the designs I use and just trying to make something that's really accessible to a lot more people um, and even kids. Because I have like a lot of my friends, their sons are high school age. And I, I know one of one of these kids in high school is wearing a, a Defender 
but man, I, you know, not, not every high school kid can afford a defender. So it's like I could hit his friends with a quartz field watch um, and they would just love it. Or even some of those new demographics that you, uh, you say you'd like to tap into because, you know, guys that maybe haven't been thinking about watches for a long time, but want something cool and new from a brand that maybe isn't super mainstream. I think I think a lot of times people just getting into watches don't have say like the six hundred dollar range, five hundred dollar range in mind. Um, but you know if they're if they're around the two hundred dollar mark or one hundred fifty dollar mark, it's it's yeah. maybe a little bit more appealing. Yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of people even think a hundred to two hundred dollars expensive, but it's really not. Yeah. And and the thing is, if if you're paying less than that for a quartz watch, it's not a very good movement. It's probably not a good watch. Um, because yeah. to build it to specs that I would want, you know, waterproof and maybe sapphire, right. maybe not. I don't know. I kind of like the acrylics too, just for the way they look. But just just building a nice, robust quartz movement and having that loom on there, that loom's pretty expensive. Um, you know, you're you're getting back up there to a couple hundred bucks. Um, it's mm -hmm. hard to build something for that's good quality for less than that. Yeah, yeah. So That's I'm curious, cool. or I'm sorry, Mike. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, so Steve, with if we could talk more, or just kind of give us some more insights into that 40 millimeter watch, are there like key points, like like certain like 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 milestones you want to hit with that watch in terms of what you want to see? In addition to the case size, are you looking at maybe like an acrylic dome with that, or sapphire, flat sapphire, or are you kind of still in the kind of designing process? It's it's still in the design process. I have a case shape that I really want to execute, but um, I, I, this case shape, though, the, the thing that I keep going back and forth about is the bracelet because mm. the case shape is really not designed for a bracelet. It's pretty flat and, and, and not a lot of room to build a custom end link. Uh, so it would be one of those leather and uh, rubber strap designs um kind of cool. like what Helios has with the um C C what is it the C fourth C fourth right and I don't know if he built a bracelet for that or not but it, that watch looks great on leather and rubber and it's like certain cases just work well without a bracelet and mm. I mean most of the time I'm not wearing a bracelet I happen to be wearing the bracelet today actually on the venture but that's because I'm going to take it to St. Louis tomorrow um nice <laughs> but most of the time I'm not wearing a bracelet for any watch, any design, anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I usually take the bracelet off. Interesting. Is it like a preference thing or cuz for the longest time I for the longest time I was strange about bracelets because like I'm I'm a hairy dude, so every bracelet I wore for a long time would just rip all the hair like off <laughs> off my arm. So, so and so Michael will tell you like back in the day I would just wear NATOs. Like yeah. I had like the first watch I bought was a little Seiko SNK. The first thing I did was I put that sucker on a NATO and like that was that was it. But as I started kind of um like the like the bracelet on this venture is really really cool. But I remember I'll never forget the first bracelet I ever wore that kind of changed my mind was the bracelet on my on my Seiko Sumo. Like that changed my mind. Yeah. And the yeah. about bracelets. Well, sure. Well, with the Sumo cuz I've had one um, it mm. was a good looking bracelet. And like I said, I take the bracelet off of everything. And when I took it off the sumo, the, the, the bars were too far away from the case. 
So when you put on a leather strap or rubber strap, you can oh, almost yeah. put your index finger all the way through the hole, you know. But <laughs> I used to say it had, it, I used to say it had a, a gap tooth. It was a gap yeah. tooth watch when you took the bracelet off. So you had to wear it. If you wore it on a NATO, then, or you can't say that word. If you wore it on a nylon strap, you know, then. Oh, right. Then, <laughs> <laughs> if you wore it on a nylon, it worked because the nylon would go underneath the watch and it would cover up the gap. Um, yeah. But. To answer about why I don't know why I don't like bracelets, but um, it's like I do and I don't. I guess it's because uh, I, I don't know. I mean, because when I I used yeah. to have a tag Hoyer in high school, and it was like I had to have the bracelet. I mean, the bracelet like it was identifiable. You know, you could see it from ten feet away, and you knew it was a tag. <laughs> um, but then I got to the point. I don't know. I, I liked it. I think it was more of like seeing more action guys you know not wearing bracelets you know you see your hmm. your uh swat teams or whatever and you know guys doing stuff and and if they're wearing a watch at all it's either a g-shock or it's got a rubber strap on it or a nato right. or, or a nylon strap yeah i i'm the opposite i usually like to keep bracelets on um as much as i can because i don't know in my brain i feel like i don't have the entire watch if uh if i'm hmm. not wearing right wearing it with the bracelet especially especially if it's a if it's a well-designed bracelet um the only reason i have this trekker on on the uh the nylon strap from from toxic now it's uh it's just because i like less of an all black look yeah sometimes yeah. especially yeah. if it's if it's metal um but like you said, I think I think you commented on Instagram once, like this this watch would really just sing on like an army green strap of some kind, whether it's like a single pass or or a loop around. I think that's what I'm gonna get for this watch next. Yeah, DLC nice. and Army Green looks awesome together. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. that said, I, what I do is is like I I will wear a bracelet, so I have to design for both. I I know that I'm gonna take it off. But I also know the bracelet's important. So I have to design the watch like for both crowds and for myself. So, so the bracelet is very important. And this is the thing about this 40 millimeter. I rarely, if ever, design a watch that doesn't have a bracelet. Now, the Defender did not have a bracelet, but it was because it was that whole pilot style. And it's like, you yeah. know what? Pilot watches do not go on bracelets. They just don't. Right. So that's why that one got away with it. But everything else, if I don't do it, I hear about it, you know, from the customers. What about a bracelet? Are you going to build one? Is it coming in the future? Can I get one? You know, like, so I know it's important to a lot of people. So, so I have to do both. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the time right now. And so I think we're starting to, to, to wind down, but there's just some other kind of fun, fun questions uh, uh, I want to ask. I ask every micro brand designer or owner uh, uh, this question. Are there any other micro brands who you're just super impressed with right now or like, or that you're friends with and you kind of just like have a good relationship with right now? Um, yeah. I mean, J Jason from Halios, we've been doing this about the same time. Uh, we That's we right. started doing That's right. this about, about 10 years ago and uh, we've used the same, you know, manufacturers on and off and we've, but we didn't really meet until the first, um, wind up when I met you too, when, when we all oh, met cool. in New York. And I, I mean, yeah. that was such a great event to go to. Cause I was debating, I'm like, should I do something like this? And then it was definitely worth it because I got to meet different people. And so I got to meet Jason yeah. and then, um, yeah, we, you know, I respect him and, and, uh, he's a cool guy. And so this year, um, 
we all went out to dinner uh, with a friend of mine who's in who lives in New York. Um, and so we all went out and had a big Korean barbecue uh, down in Korea. That's yeah, so cool. So it was a good time. Um, That's anybody so cool. else? I, you know, so, I have a lot of respect for uh, Jorg. You know, I don't know why. I just he's just done a good job with Stova, and and he's mm. a super nice guy. And I, I know he's just so much further ahead of me as far as like his business and 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 all this stuff. So I just have a lot of respect for him. So I always like to talk to him. Uh, I talked to him two years in a row at uh, Wind Up. Actually, three, three years in a row now. It's nice. been three years. Yeah. So <laughs> I think so. The t- time flies, man. <laughs> um, this is something I'm also very curious about, and this is something that 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 is very unique to your perspective. So I, I, I want to get 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 the insight. Do you see Raven always being? a micro brand or do you see it growing into something else can a micro brand grow into something else or is it one of those things where if you sort of grow beyond a micro brand you might um kind of not be in touch with what you were sort of aiming for before or is that part of the plan because we've I, we've we've talked to different folks and we've gotten all kinds of different answers and it's just it's just super interesting to see and hear how people want their business to grow hmm. so kind of do you always see raven being the having the the mantle of 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 the honored mantle of micro brand status um yeah it kind of reminds me of something that jason and i were talking about at wind up and mm. it's yeah we may be good designers but we're not always the best businessmen you know so mm. i i and i've come to this realization too that i i'm i've i don't know if i've plateaued or or not but I'm at a point where I think I need some some of my and I've got some friends that are more business savvy and have a more of a mind for accounting and finance and mm. business that I just don't particularly care for or pay attention to. I just know how to manage what I've kind of built up for now. But I have these friends that look at what I'm doing and they're like, no, this is simple math and this is easy. And all we have to do is, you know. A plus B and, and this is, this is how many we need to produce. And this is how much you need to spend on advertising and this is whatever. And I I just don't think that way. Um, So I am going to talk. I think it's wise to, you know, have these conversations with people that are good at what they do. And, you know, they're not watch designers, Mm -hmm. but they might look at this and say, oh yeah, this is, this is pretty easy to scale up or scale down or whatever um, to stay, to survive, you know? That's interesting. Um, because the thing is, I, I I could also see that sort of that sort of progression taking more of those business concerns, uh, putting them on someone else, so you could just focus on the design. Because, like I said, your microbrand is, is positioned very, very uniquely in that you 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 really design you design the hell out of these pieces. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like it's, it's not like a two hour affair. Like it's very methodical, and it's one of those things where any way I feel like you can clear that path to just 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 holistically designing the entire piece in a very authentic way it just it just seems like you know a, a positive so i'm 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 really excited to see how everything just evolves uh down the road i mean i love the venture love everything we've been seeing with the endeavor really excited about the future projects um and, and just i do appreciate the insight on the on the on the growth um mike i'm sorry the, 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 did i cut you off back there dude i keep cutting you no. off no <laughs> no 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 you're good you actually did not 
<laughs> oh, okay, that, that that that's good for a change. Because Steve, I don't know if you realize there's an honor tradition of, on this show where I just always cut Michael <laughs> off. He could be saying some really important shit. It is then my job to just 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 piss on his strawberries and cut him off. Like that's just that's that's my go-to, man. So I'm glad to know that I didn't do it this well, time. Excellent. You know, and if, if you get feedback, uh, I'll come back on, you know, because I know we could probably go for another hour. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's 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 just it's so good to just talk to you in general. I mean, every time we meet up at wind up, you know, we talk on Instagram and we text. It's just really, really cool. I do appreciate you making the time to come on the show. I, I will say this. We talked about the the, the, the venture before. Uh, Steve has actually a really, really cool announcement specifically for Two Broke Watch Knobs listeners. So if you're listening to this podcast, you are officially right. a so, Two Broke Watch Knobs so listener. So what we got is so, uh, you can get 10% off the venture using the uh, word podcast during the checkout. So if you go to the website, pick a venture, start checking out and then put in podcast. It'll knock 10% off. And that's only for listeners. So here's the deal, guys. You, you do that before I go and buy every single venture. Like those are like, like you, you have limited time. There guys. is right. uh, <laughs> most of the models. There's less than 10. I think all the models, there's less than 10 available. Um, there, there's huh. about 50 total ventures. Nice. That's Left. so cool. Do you do, do you have a favorite one? Is there is the one you're wearing technically? Would that be your favorite sort of model? Because there's a there's a lot of really fun varieties uh, of the ventures. You know, the, the ones that sold first were really striking, and those were just the black dials with the white hands and the brush cases. Mm. I mean, just the very classic. I mean, that always tells you too, like people want to see color, but the, the end they buy they buy black, right? So. Um, yeah. Those looked great, but I wore the orange one as soon as they hit uh, my door. I got the orange one out, and I wore that all through the shipping week, and then I think for the whole next week. So like two weeks in a row, I just had that orange one on because um, I really liked it. And then just now, I switched to the gray. Well, really, because I was going to sell the orange because somebody asked me if I had a demo model, and I said I only got one demo model. It's the one I'm wearing, and I was going to give him a, <laughs> a deal on it. Um, but now he's like, Oh, I want something else. So anyways, I got an orange one and a gray one now. That's awesome. That's super cool. But, um, okay, Mike, I think Mike, is it, is it that time? Is it that, is it that sad time where we have it's, to, it is, it's that sad time, but this has been, this has been rad. I'm, I'm glad we finally got you on the show. Oh, I appreciate you guys yeah. having me on. It's been awesome. It's been super, super cool. So, okay. Um, uh, Mike, do you want to do the exit or should I do the exit? I, I, I never know what to do. <laughs> It's okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, thanks again, Steve. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, my name is Mike. This is Kaz. You've been listening to Two Book Watch Knobs. Steve, thank you so much again. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye.